Hello and welcome to episode 106 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Joining me on today's episode is easily one of my favourite artists out there. This interview has been a long time coming, but it's definitely been worth the wait. Today I'm joined by the absolutely awesome Sam Gilby. Sam's work is absolutely incredible and I think the first time I saw it was when he did a Jaws print and I'm one of those guys that I thought I had and seen nearly every single piece of work for the movie Jaws. It's my favourite film and I've always invested my money in a lot of posters but I saw this whole new take on the Jaws poster and it was like a bird's eye view looking at Quint looking down at the orca and honestly it's incredible. I invested in it and then as anyone normally does, I jumped onto social media to try and find out more about this artist. I discovered some incredible prints for Jurassic Park, E.T., Avengers, there's so much there. But the one that stood out for me again was the Cornetto trilogy for Edgar Wright. These prints are iconic and if you jump onto his social media, Facebook, Instagram or his homepage, you will see some of the work he's done and it's incredible. There's Die Hard, there's The Warriors, there's so much of his work that has now become some of my favourite prints. And honestly, I warn you now, you'll end up spending money. I'm so glad that he's been part of this and I can't wait for you guys to get to it. But you know, in true typical Mark and Me fashion, I like to talk about my last episode. I was joined by the vocalist of the band, yours truly, Michaela. What a great girl, what a great artist and what a great interview. Again, the response couldn't have been better and I'm so grateful for everyone that tuned in. But let's talk about today. I'm joined by Sam Gilby and this interview has been a real long time coming. So let's not delay it anymore. Here's me and Sam talking all things art. Sam, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Hi Mark, thanks for having me. It's been, uh, been coming for quite a while and now we're finally here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fine. It, it did take a while, but... Um... I'm glad we could finally do it and you know now you've interviewed all the actors uh, and everything so it's nice to hear that you're speaking to some of us arty types as well so that's cool. What I want to do is for anyone out there who's just hearing your name for the first time uh, is take it right back to the very start so I want to know while you were at school and college when was it in your life at that point that art was starting to be such a big influence for you? It's just literally as long as I can remember. And I guess most, most artists probably say this, but um, I was just always drawing. So my earliest, earliest memories. So I would literally, um, I would come home from school every single day and I would just draw. We'd have like, have, have the TV, TV on watching like whatever cartoons were on and stuff after school. And I would be sitting there on a little coffee table just drawing. Now, so my, my dad was a computer programmer and he worked um, in aircraft research, and basically he brought home these reams of line printer paper. Yeah. So we just had like, because you know the point was I just had all the all the paper I could have ever needed and all the materials, and that obviously does help. So I would just just be drawing every single day, and I would just be drawing the stuff that I loved. So it would sort of go through the phases of whatever I guess toys I was into. So it would be, um, you know, drawing Star Wars or Transformers or Spider-Man as well. And, and that just kind of carried on. So then as I got older, um, things like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out. So I was kind of obsessed with that, drawing those. And yeah, I just, um, so yeah, looking back from my, my mum, you know, kept up that work, which is really cool. But going back through it, it's just, um, it's literally, it's kind of, and then I just kind of didn't stop doing that. So I still love to draw the things that, that 
I feel passionate about in pop culture. And I've been very lucky that I've been able to kind of gradually transition, you know, what I was doing for fun into making making a living. So, yeah, you know, I just, uh, I, but basically I never stopped drawing and I, I remember that and, you know, everyone draws as a kid. Yeah. Um, and you've never I just, stopped. I just forgot to stop. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose when you're such a young age, you're not really noticing the same style or thinking, oh, I wonder if this is all by the same artist. When was it that you were kind of becoming a certain fan of people's work and recognizing names and thinking, oh, that looks like some piece that might be by so-and-so. That's interesting. I think like there's probably, I guess in my teens. So in my teens, I discovered things like anime and like Akira was released um, on, on video over here. And I remember seeing that and just being like, that just totally blew my mind. And then you start to sort of uh, understand, you know, how these things work and how there's a director. And in the case of Akira, obviously, um, um, Otomo made all, all these beautiful comics beforehand, all the graphic novels, which, you know, the film is actually just a really distilled, condensed version of it. But that was a point of like, I really was really thinking about the aesthetic of, of anime. And like, I remember like, I guess when I was 15, 16, I was really only kind of drawing anime influenced stuff and looking at Akira and then when I guess Ghost in the Shell was quite a bit later but I had a few VHS of some of the manga films that were being released over here um, and then I did like I remember like so I had a load of Spider-Man comics that my uncle gave me and they were like some of the early Spider-Man comics but the the kind of UK reprints so I had some of the early Spider-Mans and they were all illustrated by John Romita Sr. Yeah. So I'm, I feel like I'm pretty sure he was the first artist that I actually could kind of recognize. And like, I, I would immediately know his style looking at his, his way of drawing Spider-Man, which was incredible, like really flowing, really flowing lines, just, just amazing dynamism in all the poses and stuff. Just, just, just awesome. Um, I feel like that was the first artist I noticed. And then in my teenage years, I had sort of studied, I did A-level art and, and then you kind of looking at art history. And then I, um, so my passions was like things like Spider-Man then kind of converged with learning about artists like David Hockney um, in particular. And then I kind of started doing portraits and things and I kind of ended up going a more of a fine art type type way and then later when digital painting became sort of possible or at least I got some equipment I could do it with um, my style naturally ended up being more of a painted style because I spent the most time kind of working as a as a painter using acrylics and stuff like yeah. that um, and then that kind of converged with my love for pop culture a bit later on when I kind of it came became clear that I could yeah combine those two things and I'd also always I say always, but early on, I remember, and I didn't know who the artist was, but I really, really clearly remember looking at the Star Wars poster by Thomas Chantrell. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of, I remember sort of gazing upon it. I must have been, I don't know, eight or nine. I'm not sure where I would have seen it because I was, I was, I was born 77, so Star Wars came out that year, obviously. So I must have seen it in a magazine or something later because um, yeah. I, I saw Star Wars at home, you know, on TV a few years later, not at the cinema. Return of the Jedi was the first one I saw on the big screen. 
but yeah, I remember seeing that poster and just there's something magical about the the juxtaposition of different scales of things where you've got Darth Vader kind of looming above in the background and like fading into space and all the, the kind of montage of characters and the tiny spaceships. And I just love that. I love the kind of that sort of that, that magical sense of like, it's not a, a scene, but it's just, it's like this whole, as you move, your eyes move around it, you feel like you're kind of torn and you're being dragged into this universe, like this galaxy far, far away. And it's just really evocative, and that had a, that that one image had a really big impact on me. Um, and then later, you know, you learn about people like Drew Struzan, and obviously things like the Back to the Future poster, and yeah. he was obviously a, a big influence too. Um, but that I remember that yeah, that one poster by by Thomas Chantrell was like this kind. Of, that was like the gateway drug for me, I think. And at what point? So you said you were obviously drawing all the time, and it was like a hobby and a bit of fun, and you'd sit there sketching teenage turtles and all these sort of characters. At what point was it when you thought to yourself, "I want to do this as a profession"? You know, I don't just want to do this as uh, a hobby. Um, it was kind of a funny thing where it was almost like I always knew that was what I wanted to do. That was what I was going to do. I didn't know how how on earth I'd get there. No, but. I sort of had my whole life people were telling me that's what I'd be doing. Like, you know, I mean, you know, in the way that um, people say to kids, oh, you know, you'll be this, whatever you're doing, the tinkling around on the piano, like, oh, you'll be a pianist one day. Yeah. But um, well, so whether that, I don't know how genuine it was, but I always, I just, uh, I just always was heading towards that. Like, I just felt like that's what I need to do. Like, this is when I was most happy. So therefore, that's definitely the time. That's definitely a thing that I want to do for for a career. And then I think later on, though, um, doing like kind of fine fine art for A level. At that point, I sort of I didn't really know much about illustration. Like that was a kind of like this this way to do it. Where in the sense, I was thinking like the only way to become an artist would be or to have art as a career would be either you paint kind of uh, portraits and then they go in a gallery somewhere in London. And if you can, you know, get popular in that scene, then you can sell your paintings for what would seem like a lot of money, uh, you know, like thousands of pounds, um, or you become an art teacher. And so I was, in fact, uh, by the time it came to getting to university, I was like thinking, okay, well, I'll, I'll try being a teacher first. So I actually applied to be a to be an art teacher. And um, I ended up going to Keele University, which was the one, actually the one place that I applied to that actually didn't accept me for the teaching course. But right. they do a cool thing there where they have a foundation year where they basically you go in and you try loads of different stuff. So but you major in something. So I majored in, in visual arts uh, with music as my second option. And then you also do, you can try whatever you like. So I did a bit of astrophysics and English literature. So yeah. you have this kind of foundation here. And then the following three years, um, you then focus on your two things, so visual arts and music. So you end up with a dual honours degree. So I actually ended up, so it's a weird thing. I just basically, I really loved the campus when I visited it. And I just thought, even though I was thinking I was going to do teaching, I really like this place. So I'm going to go and go to this place, do art and music, and then kind of see, see, see where we go. But yeah, so I didn't, I didn't really see how you could get from, you know, amateur artist to professional at that point. Um, think about it, if I do it again now, and I had a great time there, but maybe there's lots of places you could go and do an illustration degree, but you know. 
did your family give you the full support? I mean, it's one of those things I wanted to be a musician when I was growing up and my father was always like, well, it's not going to be easy to be the next, you know, Oasis or Green Day. And they were quite real about it. It's not an easy world to get into. With our, obviously, as well, to get noticed is not easy. Um, yeah. You know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, it wasn't like you had Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all this sort of stuff. So were your family fully supporting you or was it quite a tough one when you're turning around and saying, well, I'm going to be an artist for the rest of my life? Well, um, yeah, they were always really supportive. Like, it was never, I was never really discouraged. I mean, maybe I should have been, but... <laughs> <laughs> You know, it certainly took a what it took a you know it took a long time, um, but yeah, the way it happened for me was like so I, I graduated and you know didn't know what I was going to do, but this new kind of thing was happening, which was web design. Yeah, and that's how long that's how long ago it was, right? But so and it was more like I guess in a general sense, I think my my parents just were happy that I was creative and wanted wanted me to better do something with that. So that's really that's really the important thing. And then so basically this this new web design world was was happening. And I was very lucky to kind of get involved like on the I guess the ground floor of that when literally no one really knew what it was, what it should be, how to do it properly. So you could kind of become part of this of this this group of people like kind of figuring it out as we as we went along. And it really was exciting because, you know, then you're um, I started working in a small firm. I live in Bedford and I started working in a small web design firm that were here. And it was great. I like, you know, you're getting a first paycheck, you're learning a bit of coding. And I was, I'd already, so I'd already had some experience with Photoshop on my degree. So I was able to hit the ground running in terms of like learning to, to use Photoshop to make websites. And, um, and back then it was more, the more the emphasis was you'd make graphics that then you would chop up. Yeah, and then kind of the, you'd use the code to hold it in place, and then later on, you could the code got more powerful, so you do more of it, less of it in Photoshop, basically, in terms of the structure of your pages. But it was all quite a creative endeavor, really. And um, then after about five years there, I went freelance because partly because I was starting to get um, illustration commissions, so I kept that stuff going. I was working on a on a Wacom tablet quite early on, and using Painter and Photoshop. Um, and kind of I'd taken like my fine art style and it kind of moved it into digital and I was starting to get to do things like magazine tutorials and little bits and pieces and then I went freelance with the web design stuff as well and that meant that I could kind of do both so I was um, I was often commuting into London going to work for a design studio or an advertising agency doing like a anything from sometimes like a as short as like a two-week contract sometimes three sometimes six months um, and then that just enabled me to uh, do the illustration when I could, as and when commissions came in, or just working on personal work. And I guess, yeah, it's sort of like, t well, 10 years of doing that um, and enjoying it and finding it creatively stimulating. It just, it just became apparent that the artwork was getting more in demand and I felt there was a point where I felt like, okay, I can, I can do this. And the decision kind of came down to we had our we've got a seven year old and a four four year old and when our four year old was 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 coming um that was the point where i decided let's let's try this because I became aware that because a fair bit of my artwork previously I've been doing in you know my spare time evenings yeah. and weekends and stuff like that, 
So it became apparent that I was going to have less time again. So I needed to decide basically because I couldn't really do both any longer. I had a few commissions lined up at the end of a, a design contract and I just kind of went for it. And um, yeah, you know, I'm really glad that I did because I've not, you know, touch wood, not had, not had to look back yet. And um, you kind of, it's interesting, like if you, you focus on the thing, you know, you want to do, it, it's amazing how it can kind of snowball and you can just get, get more into it and finally get the time that you need to really dedicate to it. Um, so yeah, that was, yeah, that was kind of it. It started as a amateur artist doing portraits, doing kind of fine art. And then I, I gradually looped my passion for like pop culture, yeah, Marvel yeah. comics and movies and Star Wars kind of back into my style, um, built up a portfolio whilst I was being a web designer. And then, and then one day sort of made the switch. And seeing that transition now, obviously you get to work on projects that you must absolutely love. And it probably doesn't even feel like work when you get into work on like Empire Magazine and Edgar Wright's um, Cornetto Trilogy and all, all the sort of different films I see that you work on, especially Spielberg art and stuff. Yeah. Can you remember those first kind of projects that you worked on where you were doing a film that you're passionate about and you could put all your heart into it, knowing that it's something you're such a big fan of that then was used in a project or a, an exhibition or something that really was that turning point for you where you started to think, actually, this is starting to really build up a lot of momentum here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I, I think for me, it's been a very, um, it's been a very incremental process. And uh, I imagine it's like that for most people, um, but not for everyone. Um, some people might kind of come into it much faster in a way, but I'm kind of glad that it's taken the time that it took actually. Um, I think because I was sort of on the cusp of like where, you know, now it's much easier to use, uh, or we have social media to help us as artists. Um, but I was kind of just on the generation like before that where you would still have a website, yeah. but it was hard, definitely harder to kind of be able to promote it and get it out there. But um, yeah, in terms of um, those, so I started by um, working on some UK stuff with people like um, Picture House Cinemas and yeah, like I started working with Sam, Sam Clements at Picture House Cinemas and, and they were doing the, he hosts the Picture House podcast and they, he was putting on screenings with um, Simon Renshaw at the, like the, at the Ritzy. So the way that we started was I, I was doing event posters for them. So they were putting on screenings of like Superman and um, what else they do, Face Off and things like that. And I was just, I had kind of carte blanche to make, make posters for the, these events. And that was obviously unofficial and, you know, doing it for a small fee. But um, that kind of built me up a portfolio of work. And the thing that I'd always really wanted to be part of was the, the US gallery scene. Yeah. So you've got like Gallery 1988, and at the time, like Bottleneck were doing kind of group shows as well. And then Hero Complex Gallery. And I'd always really wanted to be part of that world. And through doing this stuff in the UK for these events, kind of built this body of work up where I'm, I'd emailed the galleries from time to time. And often you don't hear back. And, you know, you just kind of think, well, fair enough. Um, just keep making more stuff. Yeah. And then out of this work, then basically, I remember like Gallery 1988 just kind of got back to me and said, this is cool. And in, in one email, they invited me to like five shows the next year. And that was me up and running. So 
So the last, I mean, I've had like a kind of a year and a half off of those, but for like five years, I was doing like, I did like almost 60 shows in five years. And that was an amazing, I'd always wanted to be part of that, that scene. So it's really great to kind of contribute to that. And then through doing that stuff, most of which is kind of unofficial, and you're doing like fan art for a poster that you're then selling like 20 or 30 copies of. Some of those shows ended up being like they work with a studio. So the, for instance, like a Bojack Horseman one, and that was for an official show with Netflix. Um, and then... And then that led to me having built up this other body of work that I could then use to sort of get into doing licensed posters, which was the next sort of level. Um, and when you think about it, there's all these, there's these little, there's like a certain piece that you do just like opens the next door, that little crack further. Um, but at the time, you're not really thinking about it. At the time, you're just right, I've got a deadline for this show. Yeah. I need to make these posters. And, you, you know, I try not to be too... Um, I don't like to, it's not like I really have a list of like dream things I want to do. No. Because I feel like that led, that sets you up for failure. Or like if you fix it, fixate upon that, that can lead to being depressed if it doesn't happen. Yeah. So I try not to think about that. I try and take what's in front of me. But yeah, when I was like working on a poster for Jaws or E.T. or, you know, Jurassic Park or, I mean, Die Hard, Alien, I've been very lucky to, to be able to do those things. Um, and I just think, yeah, I think back to like my younger self would would be like, you know, great, I'll stick with it then, you know, I'll keep I'll keep drawing because it's worth it does work, you know, it works out. And then I kind of I've seen your work. I've been a fan of your work for probably longer than I realised. It must have been I can't remember the first one I bought, but let's let's just say five years for example. And I've mm-hmm. seen how it's grown. So I've seen how you've done more work than I get to see. On Zavi, for you know, they do a, an email campaign, and the next thing I see, Sam, and I'm like, oh my god, like Sam's work's now available to pre-order on Zavi. And then only this week, I was in Tesco, and I was like, Empire Magazine, that looks like Sam's work, like on the cover. You know? and, and to see how it's grown in such a short time, it must be. I mean, it's really difficult talking because you're the guy that's doing it. It's easy to talk if, if you were the outsider like me, but it must be <laughs> quite hard to digest as yourself, seeing that. Could you ever imagine when you were a kid and you had Empire Magazine that you'd do the cover one day? Well, absolutely not, and it's <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, I mean, the Empire cover. Yeah. Well, I was really. I mean, I really couldn't believe it. So I'd always hope, because the, the, I mean, the great thing about Empire is they've been using Illustrated for, for quite a while to, to yeah. do their covers, but, but normally for their subscriber cover. So they have two where they've got the newsstand one, and then if you subscribe, you get like a special cover with, without all the type on it and yeah. um, all the text call-outs to the articles inside. Um, so they, in, uh, my, in fact, my first job this year... Um, was doing the subscriber cover where they, I mean, that was incredible. They asked me to paint like Baby Yoda um, and, and, and doing the subscriber one. So that was a dream. And so that was already kind of ticked off. I said, not that I have a bucket list, but that was up there of things that I thought I'd really love to do that. And then just, uh, and then just recently, I guess well, a couple of months ago, they, they invited me to do the, subs- the newsstand cover, which is, that's crazy. And I'm very grateful and I'm pleased with how it turned out. Um, but it's weird when you're working on it, because obviously, again, like, there's always a deadline. Yeah. 
And the fact is, any project that comes in that you weren't expecting to come in, you know, you're in your head, you might have fantasized about doing it, right? But when it comes down to it, you've got a brief, you've got a deadline, you've just got to make it happen. So you're, you're in this weird thing, you're painting it, and you're just, you're focusing on it, you're just doing it, you're doing the best you can do, like you always would. And then every now and again, your brain kind of goes, this is going to be in the, you know, in the shops. So yeah. it's a weird thing, like, so it's a thing that you're proud of, but then you're also um, nervous about, because, I don't know, this, this thing's going to be seen, you know, everywhere. Yeah. Uh, no no um, pressure. <laughs> like, it's, you know, it's going to be, you know, your fault if people don't buy it, you know, to some extent. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> so I try not to worry about that. And because you, you can't, because they, they put their... They put their faith in you. They like what you're doing. They wouldn't ask you otherwise, right? Surely it's a good pressure to have on yourself, though, to know the expectations and the, the kind of the, the range and the reach that that magazine has. You must be like, I need to do the best job I ever can because this is going to be seen by everyone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You have, well, yeah, but I think it's a bit of both. You have to do that. But also that pressure would drive you crazy. Yeah. So you also just have to say, okay, it's, it is just another piece of yeah. artwork. And it's my experience that's got me to this point that means that I can do it. Yeah. Like I don't have to panic and do something different to what I normally would because they want what you normally do. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, like I say, the fact is when you're doing it, you're just, you just got to focus and just every now and again, you got to put, you got to make that the little little voice in your head, trying to say, "Look, this is a big deal," in the sense of it being going to be seen by a lot of people. You've got to try and put that out of your mind, because the fact is, anything you do, and that's the other thing. But that's the sort of the flip side of social media. It's amazing as an artist, you can reach lots of people, but it also means that you know anything like that that's going to be out in the in in the public sphere. Um, not everyone's going to like it, you know. Um, people have, if there's one thing people have an opinion about, it's about it's about art, you know, yeah. whether they're artists or not. So, so you know, you sort of uh, there's going to be a, a flip side to that. And for a while, I kind of wrestled with that, with, with certain things I've done. But I think I'm at a point now. Where it's like, well, that is what it is. But my job is to make my clients happy and make my myself happy. Like, do a piece yeah. that I'm proud yeah. of. But once it goes beyond that, then you you know, then it's just out there and that's it. Um, forever, you know. And I mean, looking at most of your work, surely I'm I'm not answering it for you, but surely getting to do the Edgar Wright stuff and then presenting it to him and Simon Pegg actually seeing you and being given your work, that must is that one of your career highlights so far? I mean that's easily the one I see on Instagram and Twitter being purchased the most. Everyone's going crazy for the the Shaun of the Dead and the World's End and Hot Fuzz Prints. Yeah, I mean, um, that was really incredible to do. So with a lot of these pieces, um, like I said, they were a lot of, often released through Zavi, but I, I work with a company called Fanatic. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I need to give them a shout out because they, they've been really great. Um, and basically, I started working with them because I'd done a, a Brian Blessed portrait of, uh, from Flash Gordon. And that was for a private commission. And... Somehow, I don't know how, but I was contacted on LinkedIn by Fanatic because they had a license for it, and they said, "This is this is a you know great portrait. Would you be interested in like releasing it as a licensed print?" 
So I was like, okay, cool. I spoke to the people I'd, who'd commissioned it and they were like, yeah, go for it. That sounds great. So I just, um, I adjusted the piece very slightly, added the logo and things like that. And that started me working with Fanatic and I did, um, I did Ming the Merciless as well. Yeah. But then they, they acquired like a universal license and that led to the, the, the kind of the body of work I've done like, in terms of the posters the last kind of two or three years. So Jaws, Jurassic Park, Die Hard, yeah. um, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah, that, that was kind of, that's what, how it all began on that side of things. Then, then I, through that, I was able to make some Shaun the Dead artwork and, yeah, do the, the Cornetto trilogy. But, this, but actually going back years ago, so, so the really amazing thing was I, was I was working, I say working, I was part of a collective called Pixel Surgeon back in the day. Right. Which was like, a, so pre-Twitter, before we had our own kind of scrolling feed of, you know, whatever we've subscribed to, um, there was like all these design news sites. So there was Pixel Surgeon, Surf Station, K10K. They basically all had um, like a little iframe, a scrolling little window of news in, right. embedded in a website, like a desktop website. This is pre-mobile. And um, you, I was a contributor to Pixel Surgeon where I was, uh, so you'd, we'd all write, basically, if you wanted to see the cool websites, the cool artists, you would go to these websites and then in this news feed, you click on the links and go out to all these things. But Pixel Surgeon had a bit of a broader remit. So we, we were like reviewing music and interviewing filmmakers. So I actually got to interview Edgar. I guess it was around Shaun the Dead when it came out on video. Yeah. Well, the, whatever, DVD, I guess then. Um, and had an interview with him and I'd done a fan art piece of Sean the Dead. After we, we had this great chat, it was really amazing to, to speak to him, uh, having been a fan since space and everything. And after the chat, I, I said to his like assistant in an email, like, oh, I've done this fan art, you know, thanks, thanks to Edgar for his time. I just thought he might like to see this. Never really thinking I'd hear back, but just, you know. But then he emailed me directly himself like a few minutes later, said, I really love this. Can I get it on a canvas or like a print for my office? And, and then he made it happen. So it became, it was used on the back cover, or the back inside cover of the IDW official Shaun the Dead comic. Wow. Which blew my mind. That was, I guess that's like 15 years ago now. So, so, so since then, I'm not going to say we're friends or anything, but it's been really nice to know that if I make artwork, yeah, I'm able to sort of show it to him. And, you know, so I've actually done, um, and I did some work. He actually commissioned me a couple of times for some stuff with Scott Pilgrim. I did some artwork for the new Beverly cinema, which was doing like the monthly screenings. Yeah. So I did some artwork for that. And um, so yeah, the weird, but then all of that stuff was kind of through Edgar, which was great. But then to finally get to paint Simon and do this, this, this trilogy prints, they go through Universal to get approved. Like Simon had to approve his likeness and then Nick Frost later when I did his set. And then, you know, I said to Edgar, well, I, you know, I've got these. I'd love to be able to send you some of these. And then we basically arranged to meet instead. So I went down to, it was like just before, it was like, it was like the day before Christmas Eve, about three, year, three years ago, I guess. I went down to Big Talk and I uh, just waited for him for a few minutes. And he just came in the office and we had a really lovely kind of chat. And, you know, I'd say we, we kind of had an email conversation over the years. And I'd met him one time very briefly at a screening thing. But we had a really lovely chat for sort of 10, 15 minutes. And like, he signed my, some prints for me. I signed, you know, mine for him. 
And then he said, oh, by the way, um, I need to go now, but have you got, I don't suppose you've got another set with you because I'm meeting Simon Pegg later. And I was like, uh, so I actually, I ended up giving Edgar the Prince um, the extra set that I was hoping to take home. Yeah. I actually gave them to him because um, he was going to meet Simon. And I just, and I never expected this, but like that same day, like late that evening, he then posted um, a photo of Simon holding the set of three prints and on his Instagram and then like tagged me in it. And I couldn't believe it because at that time as well, so Simon Pegg had like left social media. So he'd yeah. known had seen him for ages. And then he just pops up in Edgar's feed with my artwork. And then I couldn't, I mean, it was really amazing. That's incredible. And, uh, yeah, you know, that, that was definitely the best Christmas ever. A question I've been asking all the artists, which um, has been playing on my mind, is that I'm trying to wonder, so when you're doing all these projects and you've got all this work lined up and you're doing one thing after another and you've got all these deadlines, is there a point now where you can still draw for fun and relax and do the personal stuff that means stuff to you that got you in this position? Because what I've found by talking to a number of British artists over the last few weeks is they don't get that anymore. They have to do the project and then it's the next piece of work and they can't keep ever saying no to these big, big pieces of work or projects that they love. So they can never just sit there with a cup of tea and do what they used to do at the start and just draw for fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, same for me, really. Um, the thing is, like, drawing anything is fun. So, yeah. so but there is a, there's an interesting thing that happens where, so I've gone from doing graphic design where, yes, I enjoyed it, um, but then it was like doing any artwork, that was where kind of, you know, the real fun was to be had. That was where I was most passionate about. And then you go to become a professional artist, and that means that any, any commission that comes in, you're, you're kind of taking as well, because that's, the, that's still the bread and butter. And then, so um, I always do posters whenever I can. And partly with COVID and everything, I've, I've done fewer, and I've kind of focused more on the commission side. Uh, but although I'm finally finishing a few posters at the moment, but yeah, it's um, it does mean that you do less for fun. I, I'm trying to I try and fit in little things where I can, but yeah, the truth is that I, I, I I'm, I'm actually it's actually something that I've got I've, I've got better at. Where I used to be, I'd still kind of go and do a personal piece, um, but I've actually got better now at trying to get through more of the bigger projects faster by yeah. not doing the personal piece. And I think it's all to do, I think it's a lot of it is the social media pressure. Like you want to have stuff to put out there and you know, you kind of need to do it to, because you want to post regularly. Yeah. That, that really does affect um, how many people are shown your work by the algorithm. Yeah. So you kind of have to do it. You have to, you have to get stuff, stuff out there as often as possible without, you know, bombarding people either. So that's the balance. So I try and do bits and pieces, but yeah, I'm, I'm like I say, I feel like I'm getting better at just, um, okay, well, let's forget that. Let's just finish this thing behind the scenes and then that'll be out soon enough. And you, you just, there's no point being stressed about it, basically. Um, and that's the thing, I guess. It must be hard for someone coming up just to have that pressure of you just got to get stuff out there all the time. Yeah. And, and whereas our generation had the benefit where we could kind of develop our style, like, in private almost whereas now i guess you know you graduate and if you want to be an artist you're putting stuff up on instagram you've got no time to your style hasn't hasn't distilled down yet you know you're just 
kind of like all the stuff's kind of just going out there and it's out there forever as well um so i don't know there's benefits to both ways but i i I feel kind of glad that i was able to get my style to a certain level of development before it was out there if you're looking back now i know you're still not even you know your career's got years and years ahead of you but where you're at now looking back what is the kind of proudest moments for you personally i know it must be too hard to just pick one but what's some of your kind of career highlights to date where you're so so proud with the pieces and you're just you kind of can't really take it in and believe that happens i mean i'm really lucky there's been a there's been a few and i think well i think probably the the stuff with edgar actually is is really yeah that's definitely you know up there top top three or maybe the top one but other than that um probably the biggest one was getting to do um a blu-ray cover for spider-man far from home last year that was just you know really insane um the kind of thing that i just as a kid you would dream to do but again you can't even imagine it could ever happen no if you if, if you dream it of it happening and it doesn't happen then you'll be sort of devastated so it was just one of those things that kind of came out of nowhere and that was through basically that was through so i'm, I'm part of um a collective of artists called the poster posse which is like started out as um, a group of people just making kind of fan art the studios then got interested so it became more like an agency where we've worked with like disney marvel uh fox um warner brothers lots of people like that um where they actually commission artists there's like 50 artists in the group yeah and then the studios will commission well it really varies but anything from one or two artists to to you know 10 or 15 really depends on the project but i've done some artwork for captain marvel in that way where the artwork was kind of shared on social media i mean that that's again like a real amazing highlight where like disney and marvel they're really great at the social media stuff so which can make a huge have such a huge impact on you as an artist so they where they tag you uh in all of their posts so like on instagram twitter and facebook they'll share the artwork at the same time and put your name in it um and you know that can have a huge impact as you can imagine because yeah. you, you get a lot of followers and a lot of people seeing your work but that had um they for captain marvel they did this uh because it's set in the 90s they did like a tower records pop-up yeah which is for, for a press junket and like all the cast were there and basically some someone else from marvel not connected to the literally quite so closely to the captain marvel stuff was then doing some stuff for spider-man which was like a few months later and uh, yeah, then they they approached me for that. So, but I, I worked through the poster policy for that as well. But to do the Spider-Man cover, and that was yeah, just incredible. Um, and that was an interesting one. Like in that case, you're working with both Sony and Marvel. Yeah. And you know, it's a dream project, and overall it went smoothly. But the fact is, you know, you're so all everyone you paint, um, all of those people need to approve their likeness. And, you know, Marvel and Sony have had slightly different things they wanted to emphasize. Um, so, yeah, so it's interesting because you, you get to do a dream project and then you also realize as a professional that it's, uh, you get there and it is just a job. And yes, it's a bit like the Empire cover, like, yes, it's a dream. And, you know, yes, but you've also got a d- deadline to hit and uh, certain, you know, the main thing is your client has to be happy. 
and that's your job in that sense. So it's interesting, like um, you're kind of pinching yourself, but also trying to put that out of your mind. It's a weird, it's a weird like kind of balancing act you're doing with your own brain to try not to, because if you think about it too much, you'll panic. <laughs> And with those deadlines in place, is that how you have to be so strict on yourself? Because if I edit a podcast, I could sit there and polish it for weeks and keep doing bits and taking ums out and taking hisses out. But there's a point where you just need to say it's done, it's finished, it needs to go out. Uh, I've got better over the years by just being a bit more lenient and knowing I like the natural sound of it and stuff. But when it comes to art, what's the point when you know it's finished? Because you might look at some of your previous pieces of work now and think I wish I'd added that or that doesn't still sit right with me or I wish I'd changed that a little bit what's the bit where you actually now say to yourself that's a finished piece or is it the deadline you have to keep to that keeps you basically in line yeah yeah this is something I've kind of wrestled with a lot over the years partly because I've got quite a detailed style so the fact is when you have a detailed style you can always add more detail you can always go further with it right so so and I also think like I look back at old work and I think oh why didn't I do this or I I do it differently now but I think I kind of almost I hope that I'm looking the work I'm doing now I'm hoping that I'm looking back on that in a few years time and feeling the same way because I feel like that's the if you ever get to a point where you're happy with everything you do um and you know you're just like yeah I'm great now (laughs) The fact is you're not evolving anymore. So you, I think as an artist, you kind of, that, that anxiety is what drives you forward. It, like in your head, every piece that you're doing, when you start it, it's going to be the best thing you've ever done. Yeah. By the time you finish it, you get to a point where you're happy with it. But it's, I always say like at the end of a piece of artwork, you've got to a point where you no longer hate it. So making a piece of artwork, you have the idea, then it's just loads and loads of hard work. Um, relatively speaking, I mean, yeah. art is not hard, but just like long hours, and then you get to a piece, a point where it's like, this is what, this is as close as to my original idea as I feel I can get within either the time available or you know the amount of time I can realistically justify spending on it. But then you're excited about the next thing you're doing, and that's really what it's always like. So every almost every single finished piece, I think most artists feel this way is it's as good as it could be and I'm going to put it to bed now and actually the next thing is what I'm excited about and then then after a period of reflection you can kind of say okay out of all the stuff I did three years ago I still like this and this and this yeah um it's weird it's weird it's like uh you almost feel like by the time you finish something it's almost like you didn't do it if that makes sense because you spend so long looking at it um, all you can do is try and be true to what you had in your head way back at the beginning. Um, but also you also have to run with it a bit. Like if you, you sometimes you have to check, you have to evolve it because it doesn't, what you had in mind doesn't work when you actually come to do it in detail, it doesn't work. So you have to like roll with the punches, you know? So yeah, I think it's really important to, to, to like not be happy. <laughs> yeah. And so being an artist is like a commitment to saying, I'm actually never going to be that pleased with anything I do. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> or if it is, it's fleeting. Or if it is, it actually comes later. So certain things you can, then you look back and you go, okay, this, this piece was an important kind of turning point for me. Um, I mean, for me, it was like, um, actually, probably the Jaws poster that I did was actually a real important point because 
I'd always thought of myself as being like a portrait artist. Yeah. So I, I love to paint portraits and capture likeness. And that's always been my thing. Uh, but then doing a Jaws poster, it became apparent that for the license, that wasn't going to be possible, basically. No. Um, so sometimes it isn't. It really varies. Like, I was able to put Marlon Brando in The Godfather, for instance, but I couldn't put Al Pacino. That was with Paramount. And then later I could do a Scarface one where I could do Al Pacino, but, you know, I couldn't put him in The Godfather one. So it's kind of, it's all just depends on how the licenses all work. But anyway, with the Jaws one, I was halfway through one with portraits. I need to find out that, oh, no, we won't be able to do, do, the, do the faces. And then I had a real, like, well, what do I do? This is what I do. How, how do I get around this? And it kind of led to doing this kind of extreme angle, which is derived from, there's a very brief insert shot where yeah. you see where Quint's looking down and he looks at Hooper, then it kind of pans across to Brody, and the boat's actually at a kind of, it's almost diagonal. And then I just kind of had this idea of like, yeah, but if I, if I combine that shot into one, make the boat vertical, and then like the playing cards become like the angle, which everything else yeah. comes from. So the shark's in the corner, the types are at an angle. Everything kind of came from that, and it all came together. And that's been kind of, I guess, one of the most popular pieces. But it actually came out of like not knowing what to do. Um, but also started this whole other sort of side of work where I've done, other, I've done Jurassic Park and E.T. and Die Hard and Alien all in that kind of vein. And it's been a really interesting, it's a kind of whole, um, really interesting kind of itch to scratch that I never knew I had, you know. It's good actually because I, I own that Jules poster. It's framed and I, I, I love it because it's not like any of the other Jules pictures you see, not the ocean and just a shark biting a boat or the, the fin or anything. It's, it's purely summed up an amazing scene where You've got Hooper who's just playing solitaire and he's just got his head down. And he's just trying to yes. figure out where he is. You've got Brody still basically not really knowing what he's doing and just putting out blood and stuff for the shark. Yeah. And Quint's still the leader. He's at the top looking down and making sure he's like got everything in place. And it's, I didn't even think about the fact that you're just hiding their faces. I just thought, wow, that's a really good way to capture this angle and boat. And it's, it's fascinating to sit there now and think, oh, okay, so that's why it's like that. But you wouldn't know, would you? Well, exactly. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the goal is like to make something that's works on its own terms um, where you don't need to know what that restriction was placed on the artist. Yeah. But yeah, for, yeah, for a long time, I was like, uh, what am I going to do? Like watching the film over and over and trying to figure it out. But um, yeah, like I say, that kind of then just I uh, realized I had all this untapped stuff that I could potentially do for other things. And I really like doing that too. And that kind of, that works really interesting. Um, I guess something like the Die Hard one is, is, is like where that style evolves because that's not from, that's actually more like a composite of like loads of different shots. So um, you're trying to express, you, you know, because obviously you're taking, first of all, you're taking a landscape image, making it portrait most of the time for poster. And then you're um, like, it's trying to find like a, a a close-up of Bruce, the top of Bruce Willis's head, for instance, you know, to try and capture that. Because you, you've got to get the hairline just right, you know, for it to, you know, you've got to believe it's him, even though you got to see his face. And then, like, the marker pen on the arms. There's all these really detailed things that are in there. But you just actually have dozens and dozens of, like... So it, it's got to feel like it's a... It's almost like you're trying to make it feel like a still. But that would be pointless as a painter to just, like, pull the film and paint it. You're trying to make a sort of more dramatic, 
more intense thing that's actually a, it's like it feels like a, a moment in a film but it's more it's a composite of lots of things yeah so yeah so they've been really interesting to make and i hope i'll do more but equally you know when the chance comes to, to paint the face i'll still kind of do that so it's you know i, I feel lucky to have all these different different ways that i can work and uh, my final question is for anyone that's listening that wants to become an artist like yourself. Um, obviously, put yourself in their shoes when you were there 20 years ago wanting to kind of yeah. be that big artist and draw their favourite film characters and stuff. What advice do you give with it being such a tough market to get noticed in? I know we've got the tools in place now and social media is a huge, huge help and a support, especially with Instagram and stuff. But... What advice do you give to those artists that are probably studying right now at college or uni and that really want to try and be like yourself and get to do this every day and have a career where they get to be passionate every day and draw the things they love? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And I mean, I get asked that a lot um, in email and things. And I think the thing I try and say to people is most important thing, be really patient. Like some artists are lucky where they kind of, it feels like they, they kind of emerge, they're young and they have a cool style that suddenly becomes popular and then everyone wants it and they're able to kind of, you know, hit the ground running. And if you're that person and that happens for you, then, you know, that's, that's fantastic. But I think you've got to be prepared. For most people, that doesn't happen that way. For most of us, it's a slow, incremental thing. And if you want to make movie posters, Again, like there's so many kind of accounts out there like on Instagram and things just where they're only showing all these like alternative posters and there's just so much out there. I would almost say, yeah, make some posters for sure, but do other stuff. Yeah. Don't just make posters. Um, and like I've been really lucky to, to have an agent where something I'm, I'm really trying to consciously do now is build up a body of work of other stuff. So, um, you know, draw sports people or politicians or whatever it might be. But because there's a whole, if you want to make a career as an artist, you may be lucky and be able to do it in pop culture um, and in movies and all that stuff. But, um, you know, why, why kind of limit yourself? There's lots of stuff to be passionate about. Um, and if you can, because to me, what's interesting about any artist is like how they take a subject and then that's going through your filter as an artist of, your brushstrokes may be or like your imagination of how you interpret something. So I think the key is to like, you want you to have some consistency in a style and an aesthetic and that can take years to really develop. Um, but, but the way to develop it is by being broad. So, you know, draw other stuff, do, do a, do a landscape, uh, you know, do a portrait of someone who's of someone in your family, not someone famous or, just basically keep keep going and like don't think about the don't think too hard about those kind of those dream projects because really the only thing that matters is just the day-to-day -day. it's just like the the hard work of developing your style getting better at painting and then when it as the opportunities opportunities kind of come along you're going to be in the place where you're you're ready with your technique um to be able to deliver on it and you'll feel like, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready for this. But I think, you know, all artists are going to have, um, there's always a bit of imposter syndrome. And I think that's, in a way, it's like, 
it's kind of healthy. Like if you get to anything, um, it's like, yeah, I, I deserve to be doing this. And, you know, I'm, I'm the man for the job, like, or the, or the woman or, you know, anything. I think it, that can be dangerous too. Like, I think it's good to be, you've got to be skeptical, like, skeptical about your own work because that's how you get better at it. Yeah. Like, you know, like I say, you want to look back on work you did a few years ago and not be happy with it. Cause, and, and if you are, if you feel that way, that means you're still progressing and that's the thing. Um, and, and also I'd say don't be so, don't be so desperate to put everything up on social media and it's really tempting. And not, you know, I say that I did a couple of sketches that I put up there, you know, like just the last couple of days, but don't just take your time with it. I think yeah. is the point. Like you're not going to get a um, thousand or 5,000 followers quickly. It's going to take time to build it up, but um, just focus on the work and everything else will kind of, will eventually come sooner or later. But, you know, you've got to be ready to be in it for the long, long term, definitely. Patience is key. Patience is definitely key. Well, it, I mean, it, it's worked for me, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's times where, you know, you're thinking, oh, why aren't I doing this project or that? I could be doing that. But it doesn't matter. Like in the end, you've just got to go back and draw some more yeah and and that's the great thing about drawing and painting is like i've always done it as a way to kind of just be focused and escape and it's just whatever can be stressful in your life um and that can even be you know the deadlines you've got as an artist when yeah. you're really in the zone and you're just making stuff there's really no better thing than that so i'd say to anyone if you if you're in the, if you want to do this as a career try like never forget that that feeling that you're going for. Like you want to just be in the zone and just relaxed and that nothing is better than drawing for that, you know, or I guess like music as well, but you know, that flow state that you want to get to. I really appreciate your time today, Sam. And I know it's been a long time coming, but it's, uh, it's paid off and I, I'm really grateful for you coming on the show and talking about this. I think anyone that's listening, who wants to become an artist, the advice you've given is absolutely golden. And, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Oh, thanks, man. It's really, really great to, to finally do this. So I, I really yeah. appreciate you. So there it is. There's me and Sam Gilby talking all things art, amongst a number of other things. What a great guy. From the moment we started talking, I clicked. I knew it would be a good interview, and I've been so excited to have him on Mark and Me. I'm sorry it's taken so long to give this you, but with this whole project about the voice behind the artist, it seemed the right time to get him on, along with some amazing guests from around the world and easily the best artists out there. Sam, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. I'm so grateful and I'm so glad it happened. A massive thank you to you guys out there as well that tuned in and listened to the podcast. It means the absolute world. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please share it on your social media. It makes a huge difference. And hey, guys, I'm going to let you into a little secret. Sam's been very generous and given me an incredible couple of prints. He's going to sign them and I'm going to give them away. So you need to be following me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram to be in with a chance. And those competitions will be up this week sometime. Also, if you really love the podcast, please jump on markandme.com and support me on my Patreon. You can go on there for as little as a pound a month and for that you get the opportunity to win some incredible prizes. But not only that, all the money goes back into the podcast and allows me to record more interviews, which basically gives you more episodes. It's win-win and it costs hardly anything and makes a massive difference. 
Thanks everyone who's tuned in today. Please go and check out Sam Gilby's work. Hey, Christmas is coming up. Treat yourself or go and buy someone you love a present. And honestly, you won't regret it if you invest in some of his prints. I've got them all over my house and you should too. Thanks again to everyone who's listened today and I'll be back in a few days time with a brand new episode. So until then, stay safe and I'll speak to you all soon. Sarah